Welcome to the Grace Story Podcast, where inspiring stories are brought to life. This podcast is made possible by Grace College and Seminary, located on the shores of Winona Lake in the great state of Indiana. I'm your host, Dr. Drew Flam. Today, we'd like to welcome our guest, Reverend Lonnie Anderson, pastor of Mount Pisgah Missionary Baptist Church in Kokomo, Indiana, and he also adjuncts here at Grace College. Born in Modesto, California, and been married to his wife, Patricia, for 25 years and has four beautiful children. He received his bachelor's degree from Selma University and his master's degree from right here at Grace Seminary. He's been preaching for 28 years since giving his first sermon in 1991. Reverend Anderson, thanks for being here this morning. Thank you so much for having me. I got to ask a question right off the bat because students here at Grace told me, uh, and I read that your nickname is Revy Rev. So I got to <laughs> ask, where's that come from? Well, it started really when I was in the South, when I moved to Alabama. Um, the kids called me, instead of saying Reverend, they called me Rev. Well, when I told the, um, the uh, students here at Grace, they asked what could they call me. I said, well, most people call me Rev. And I forget what student was it was that just says, uh, started calling me Revy Rev. <laughs> and so that just kind of caught on. And so um, uh, throughout the last six years, uh, students have heard about my class, and they come in and they say, hey, Revy Rev. And so it's just <laughs> stuck, and it's all good. That's yeah. a pretty cool nickname. I, I wish I could get one like that. So you grew up in California. And so tell me a little bit about your growing up years and, and your family. I was born and raised in Modesto, California, um, to loving uh, parents, Christian parents. I was the youngest of five children, um, grew up understanding um, uh, who Christ was, grew up understanding and knowing uh, what it meant to um, live for Christ. It was modeled and exemplified um, by my parents. And um, I grew up in a house that knew what discipline and love and fussing and arguing, just like any other uh, family. Uh, great family. Uh, great. I wouldn't trade anything for my journey. I wouldn't trade anything at all. So then you ended up going to Selma University, Selma, Alabama, which is quite a trip from Modesto, California. So what, what took you out to Selma? Well, after I finished my first sermon, I tell the story. Quite often, after I finished my first sermon, I walked into the office, and there was a group of pastors. And um, my pastor, the late Dr. Ishmael Kimbrough, um, motioned over to the late Dr. E.W. Rowland, and they said, Lonnie, we decided that you were going to go to school. So I said, wow, I did that bad, huh? <laughs> and they all laughed. They said, no. I, I said, oh, okay. And they said, well, you're gonna, we're going to send you to Selma. Well, there is a Selma, California that's right outside of Bakersfield, maybe about 80 miles outside of Bakersfield. So I said, well, you know, of course, I'll, I'll just go there at nighttime. They said, no, we're sending you to Selma, Alabama. I've never been to Selma, Alabama. Um, didn't hardly even know where Selma, Alabama was. But um, upon the request and the direction of my pastor, I just said, okay, and I left, and I went. Did you go there specifically for the purpose of uh, studying for the ministry? Yes. And yes. did you know, I mean, when did you feel that, that sense of call, like the Lord's leading me into you know, full-time ministry? I knew that I was going to preach 
maybe at the age of 11 or 12. Wow. That sounds weird, but uh, about 11 or 12, I knew I was going to preach. Um, I did not want to preach. Um, I had a few issues about preaching. One, uh, I felt like Moses. I didn't know enough. Um, I still uh, enjoyed the um, uh, the lifestyle of being a teenage boy. Um and I didn't want to preach, so I ran from preaching for maybe 14 years. And finally, I got to the place in my life that the Lord literally began to dry up things. And he literally told me that either I'm going to preach or I was not going to prosper. And so I finally surrendered, and I preached my first sermon uh, third Sunday in January 1991. Hmm. I still haven't figured out what I want to do with my life. So the fact that you had an idea at 11 or 12 is pretty impressive to me. Um, So Selma, you know, really central battlegrounds for the civil rights movement. And you came from Modesto, California, which is a a melting pot. Right. Um, So tell me what that experience was was like to really enter the, the central place where the civil rights movement happened. I've always been a history buff, and to move to Selma was a dream. I I, I can't explain it. And the Lord orchestrated it so that um, I moved to Selma, um, started going to Selma University. Of course, I needed a church. And the Lord directed me to the Ebenezer Baptist Church, Hmm. where the late Dr. F.D. Reese, who just passed last year, um, and I had no idea— uh, his significance in history. It was Dr. Reese that signed the letter for Martin Luther King to come to Selma. And uh, being at Ebenezer, I was able to um, um, come in contact with the personalities of Rosa Parks, mm-hmm. Coretta Scott King, Dick Gregory, Andrew Young, um, so many different personalities. Um, Dr. Reese was a leading um, civil rights icon. And in fact, I tell the story. Um, one day he just told me, he said, hey, come come with me. I had my, my, my daughter, my oldest daughter. He said, come with me. I got in the car with him. I said, where are we going? He said, you'll see. We got to the Voting Rights Museum, and I'm sitting there holding my daughter, and um, two sedans pull up. And so Dr. Reese is just waiting. I'm just wondering who it is. And out jumps a little lady with silver hair. It was Rosa Parks. Wow. Rosa Parks comes wow. to me, and she sees my daughter, and I, I can almost cry. She sees my daughter, and she picks Brooke up, and she walks around the hotel with Brooke in her arms. I'm flashing pictures. I have it on, on Facebook. And um, this, I told my daughter, Brooke, she wouldn't understand the significance of that till she's older. But here, Rosa Parks was holding my daughter. And then Rosa Parks gave my daughter to uh, Marie Foster, who was another, she was on, when they did the movie Selma, she had a leading part in uh, Oprah Winfrey's play. And Marie Foster rocks my daughter to sleep. And I have pictures of all of that. And so, yeah, that was my experience in Selma. It was, um, it was great. It was wonderful. There was another, there was another part living in Selma that was um, rough. Selma still had the same mayor, uh, Joe T. Smitherman, that was uh, there when Dr. King was in Selma. 
and um, racial lines were still divided. It's interesting that Selma is probably 70% African-American, but only, um, I think there's only like 2% uh, whites go to public school. They go to private schools, chartered schools. And so the racial divide is still evident. Uh, In church, uh, it's still evident. And um, unfortunately, uh, the Lord is going to have to do some work still. And I, coming from California, where every nationality was in my neighborhood, uh, being at a place where it was just so vividly black and white was rough. You've really stepped into that in what you have been building up down at Mount Pis- Pisgah in Kokomo, a multicultural church. Yes. And and uh, that takes a lot of intentionality. That takes a lot of work. Uh, talk to us about how you have done that, what your mindset's been, and what have been some of the successes and challenges. Well, it, I think um, for our church, um, being intentional, and that is just loving people, um, uh, being a place that uh, that tries to cultivate a culture that's inclusive, um, being a place where people come. I, I, we've just decided and we just understand that hurt, pain, sadness, depression, sin is not limited to one culture. It's every culture deals with those. And if we're going to really be the church that God intends for us to be, if we really going to be relevant in this um, generation, in this time that sees, that has seen so much racial divide and racial tension seems to be at a peak now again. If we're going to be a place where the Holy Spirit abides and that um, he's allowed to get us through race and politics and all that other stuff that seems so so easy that it divides the church. If we're going to be that place, we're going to have to be open to people showing love. Skin color doesn't, doesn't, doesn't play a fact. It doesn't matter. So I mentioned to you before this podcast that um, I have two black kids, one adopted from Africa and then one adopted stateside. And uh, and we live here in northern Indiana, and it's a predominantly um, white uh, neighborhoods that, that we live in um, and, and the county that we live in. What advice would you give to someone like me or to um, us who are at Grace? And we, and we have students from different backgrounds and, and different races and different nationalities on, on how we can be um, inclusive and and ensure everyone feels that that love of Christ. Wow. I would I pro, I think I would would make sure that they are around um of African Americans. Um because To be a are they male male female both, boy, yeah. both, 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 both boys. boys yes yes um, 
my advice to you would be to make sure that even though they are um, growing up in a loving household, that they understand what it means to grow up in a city, community, country um, that might sometimes judge them for their skin color. Um, it would behoove you as a parent of African-American boys to make sure that they are aware of who they are, um, not to uh, put a yoke on them and make them paranoid, but it is a living reality. Um, everybody's not like dad. Everybody's not like mom. And some people see me for my color. And for the most part, what some people know of me is what they see on TV about me. Hmm. And so I think it would be wise to make sure that they understand that there is a, that there are a group of people um, that won't see them, see them for personality, for character, that would just see them for their color. And it's amazing, even as uh, young boys, uh, ages seven and five, how mm. they they already recognize some of that. Um, and and our job is to gently walk them through um, that process and and to find them good mentors. Something I always find both difficult um, but excited about is I, I can't relate to that aspect of of their experience in life but i get the opportunity to connect them with with men like you and and with some students even on our campus who who can uh, mentor them and love them and 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 show them what it looks like to to be a a godly african-american man and uh, so thank you for the ways that you've even done that on our campus and i know you've engaged in that way um one of the other things I found interesting in in your article and just your willingness to s- step into tough stuff, and you've talked about um, politics and how we got to keep politics out of the out of the pulpit, and that's easier said than done. Um, and uh, tell me what that looks like in your congregation. Well, I, I, I've tried to stay clear of politics. Um, but I do believe that you have to speak truth to power. I think the prophets, um, and even Jesus himself, spoke truth to power. He flipped some tables, if I remember correctly. Oh, yes, correctly. indeed. Yeah. So um, I, I think that you have to be careful. Um, I think that the the center point at the pulpit that every pastor must flee to is the cross. Um, I think that's where we start off at, and I get a little scared when we start venturing away from the cross. Um, I will say this, that um, especially in the, in, the, in the church, it seems like so many things divide us, and one of the biggest things that divides us is politics. Mm-hmm. And um, depends on what, what letters you watch, whether it's CNN or FOX or MSNBC, that's the kind of, that's the, you know where, where you're at. I just think it's as believers we we need to be careful uh, that politics don't become the voice that we that the that the congregation hears on Sunday morning. Um, 
truth of the matter is um, our elected officials need our prayers. Um, the truth of the matter is uh, God is still expecting us to uh, maintain uh, Christ-like character, um, whoever's elected. And so um, I'm, I'm, I, get, I get a little leery when I hear sermons um, that are totally based on politics, human opinions. I think the safest place for the believer, safest place for the preacher is at the cross. Mm. And anything that uh, conflicts with the cross, that's it is. But just, yeah, kind of stay away. Christ is not an independent Republican or a Democrat. And so um, none of those things. That's good. One of the things that's neat about you is um, even after many years of preaching and being in the Word, you continue want to grow in that love of Christ and the cross. And one of those steps of journey was coming here to Grace um, to get your, your MDiv. Um, so tell us a little bit about that decision to come here and what that experience was like for you. I, I was I was I had almost given up <clears throat> on um, an MDiv program in Indiana. In fact, I would I went to a few schools. I went to um, um, I won't mention it in Indianapolis, <laughs> and uh, I thought maybe this was a good chance. I went to their chapel, and they said, "Our Mother, which art in heaven, how would be her name." And so I thought to myself, I'm going to eat the lunch, but that's all I'm going to take from here. <laughs> so um, I, I'd almost given up. And um, I was just Googling one day seminaries, Indiana, and Grace shows up. And so I was just so, just been so despondent with the other stuff. I just kind of clicked it and I just looked at it and I said, yeah. And I always go straight to, what do you believe? And so I remember I just, just reading, and I remember I just kind of raising up. And I was listening. I was looking, and so I said, "Wow!" And I, um, I think I uh, googled where in the heck Winona <laughs> Lakes was, and uh, I made contact with uh, Grace. And I, I think I, I came within three days and uh, looked at it. I almost didn't get out the car because I had never seen a black squirrel before in my <laughs> life, and those things still it's, scare me. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. Oh my gosh! So. Um, the rest is history. I got a chance to get to know the professors, um, but um, and and really get to know the um, some of the administration, and um, I liked the atmosphere. And more than anything, I liked the uh, the doctrine. I still believe Grace still believes in the Word of God. Grace uh, still. Uh, teaches and promotes uh, the truths of God. I still believe that the Bible is infallible. I, I like, I like that. That stuff is what helped determine where I was going to be. And then coming here, just kind of sealed it. Just getting a chance to know the professors and so forth. So, yes, Grace still believed. And that's why I attended Grace. How do you balance? You know, you have a thriving ministry, you have a family, mm-hmm. and you're you're going to school. I mean, how how did you uh, juggle all of that? Not well at times. Um, um, prayer, uh, great family, 
great church um, that allowed me to be imperfect, um, that, that understood um, some of the things that I just needs to do. And so um, I wouldn't have been able to do it if it wasn't for uh, my family, for uh, an awesome church that's very understanding because there were times where I would, I'd be gone all day, two days, sometimes three days a week. And, um, yeah, they, they, they really were very understanding. And so I, I have nothing to complain about. And what do you think uh, that education did for your ministry? Um, it helped expand my mind, expand my thinking. Uh, it introduced me to new concepts. Um, I, I personally think that if the pastor becomes stagnant, the church would become stagnant. If I'm not at a point where I'm trying to learn and better myself, then the church will become, I will be content, and then the church will be content. Yeah. And so I'm always constantly trying to learn I just got back from Waco, Texas uh, yesterday. I'm always trying to learn, put myself in a position um, to hear, um, to, um, to, to receive, uh, to be able to um, enlarge my repertoire, if, you, if I can say that. Uh, more tools in my belt, the more I'll have a chance to uh, really, I think, uh, feed the people that uh, call the Mount Pisgah Church their home. And uh, you also teach adjunct here at Grace, connected to some of the students. And in fact, here in just a few minutes, you're going to be on stage uh, in Grace Chapel. Uh, tell me what you see with the college students of today and, and then what you plan to share this morning with the students. Well, um, I, 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 me arriving at Grace, what, almost 10 years ago? I'm not for sure, eight years ago? Um I really see a transformation in um, in the student body. I see um, more people that look like me. Um, I see um, just a deliberate effort by Grace to incorporate and to include um, students of uh, minority students, and I'm very pleased about that. I uh, am ex I'm ecstatic uh, of the intentionality of really um, not only inviting students to participate in this great uh, facility, but to incorporate uh, cultures and to blend cultures. And so I'll just say that that's that's I'm very excited about that, and uh, I definitely recommend Grace. For anybody, to anybody. Um, uh, what I'm going to be talking about today, um, I still get a lot of emails, a lot of text messages, um, inboxes, because I'm a Facebook fanatic. Um, a lot of the kids are dealing with hopelessness, uh, giving up, uh, pain, problems. And so today I just want to... Um, I just want to give some form of uh, inspiration to continue. Uh, be dealing with the story of Lazarus, 
where Jesus delays his coming and Lazarus, his friend, has died. And after uh, some days, Jesus shows up and uh, both sisters come out and begin to uh, tell uh, Jesus he's too late. And then Jesus just show, just says these words, show me where you laid him. And um, basically he was saying, show me what you've given up on. Show me the root of your pain. Show me the root of your sadness. Show me that which you believe is too late even for me to fix. And so that's what I'm going to be dealing with. Wow. Yeah. That'll be fantastic. Yeah. Thank you for being here today. and I Thank you for having me. Sounds like everybody can find you on Facebook if they want to interact Facebook. a little bit more. Anywhere else where people can uh, interact with you? Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat. Wow, he's everywhere, folks. Twitter. I used to call it Twitter to my <laughs> da My daughters told me that is not the name of it. Twitter, uh, Facebook, uh, yeah. And I'm on the two. It's Lonnie E. Anderson, Jr., and Pastor Ellie Anderson Jr. And then uh, Instagram, I think I'm, it's just L-E-A-J. And then Instagram, no, Snapchat, I don't know. I'm, I'm out there somewhere. <laughs> He's out there, find him. <laughs> well, thank you for being with us on this second episode of the Grace Story podcast, and uh, thank you for being a part of our Grace College and Seminary community in so many different ways, and uh, we thank you for that, and we hope everybody will check out the Grace Story podcast, like it wherever you found it, um, and go live your best Grace Story today.